This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. I'm your host, Ryan Jury. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Welcome to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. During this installment, we're going to review separate plays for what to do when you're stuck with no-show reduction. Let's say you've attempted several ideas, but you just find yourself stuck. In this episode, we're going to review robust confirmation calls and how they can be a core process to no-show reduction. In addition, we're going to explore ways to shift things into the next gear with two additional plays, pack your parachute and the be nice. A term that we've used in several podcasts before has been a term called a confirmation call. And um, what is a confirmation call? Sure. Well, a confirmation call is just calling somebody to confirm that in this case that they're coming in for their appointment. But confirmation calls done by live people is a concept that's been around for a zillion years. And it has a history of being wildly inefficient. Because you don't actually reach people. And then every administrator asks themselves the super obvious question, which is, why do we have a live person doing this phone call? Isn't there a way we could automate this, et cetera, et cetera. But realistically, what you're looking for is to talk to the person and engage them in coming into their visit, which is why we call it a robust confirmation call. Because it's not just, hey, you have an appointment at 10 o'clock. See you then. So there's a difference in your mind from what a confirmation call is and what a robust confirmation call is. Oh, absolutely. I remember sitting in the phone room at my community health center and I remember the people next to me making phone calls or I was doing, I was always doing bilingual things. And so there was maybe somebody next to me was just making outbound calls or making outbound calls, you know, when the morning got slower and those outbound calls would be so quick Hey, this is Lucy. Just calling you. Da da da. I want to remind you you have an appointment tomorrow at three thirty with Doctor So and So. See you then. Let's, let's like role play here just a minute. Um, sure. You're you're gonna call. I'm the patient. Um, could could you demonstrate what a robust phone call might look like? Sure. A robust confirmation call in that instance would be like, "Hi, my name is Lucy. I'm calling from the ABC Family Health Center and." I was calling to talk to you about your appointment tomorrow. We see that you're coming in tomorrow at 3.30 to see Dr. So-and-so. Do you have a few minutes that I could talk to you about that that visit? Yeah, sure I do. Great. So I'm actually sitting here with Dr. K and the team, and we wanted to talk to you a bit about this so that your visit tomorrow can go a little bit more smoothly. So I just need to double check a couple of things about you. First of all, can you just verify what your address is? Um, And you go through. (laughs) Yeah. So you go through and get those demographic questions or has your insurance changed, et cetera. And then and then you go into some of the reason for visit. Like I see you're coming in for. X. Is that the case? Can you tell me more about that? Okay. Or I see you're coming in for an annual exam, but I show you just had one eight months ago. Can you tell me why you made this appointment? Yeah. Um, Or, you know, we show that you're due for uh, X, Y, and Z vaccine or that you haven't had this, that, and the other done. So it's that next level of engagement. So 
you kind of hit on a couple of items. Uh, the first is just a review of demographics, recognizing, you know, is this the right patient, verifying that they are, and updating them. Um, but, and then I was listening to you, you talked about the chief complaint, maybe some preventative medicine, some quality measures. Um, it it kind of feels like maybe you're starting to visit the day before. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And that's why people no show less when you do that kind of a call. Gotcha. Because I've just invested three minutes of my time or five minutes of my time. Okay. And then how can teams, so how can teams take this information and make the visit more uh, meaningful and bring value? Well, so it's only really helpful. I mean, it's helpful to get the patient to come in, but it's only really helpful to the team if you have that information at the huddle the next day Okay. so that you can say, oh, I, you know, I talked to her about that and she's actually wants this or she's looking for this or she does need a note for work or she needs this so that so that, you know, that's all the stuff that you get hit with, you know, that proverbial like second you put your hand on the doorknob to leave the exam room and the patient's like, but wait, how about this? And so you're trying to catch those things. Catch those things, things in, in advance. So wh- where's the optimal place? I mean, d- does the confirmation call or sorry, the robust confirmation call get recorded anywhere? I mean, where would I, where would I record this information? Well, I mean, you wouldn't literally record the call, but oh, you would okay, document yeah. some of the detailed information. Okay. Uh, I assume that's what you mean. Yes, that's what I yeah. mean. But it, it's yeah. helpful to clarify literally that yeah. you're not recording the call, right? <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of weird, maybe for quality, whatever. But um, realistically, what you're doing is you're just documenting some of those key pieces of information, which is why things like the pack your parachute play and some of those other plays are so helpful. Cause if you have somebody who's actually engaged with the team, then they want to bring this information back. It's like they went out and found something of value and they want to bring it back to the team and be like, here's what I know that adds to the puzzle of our afternoon and seeing Mrs. So-and-so for her visit. Okay. Uh, so, and there's, you know, there's different ways you can document that depending each EMR has either, you know, a pre-visit template or a place for notes or sticky note. There's just all kinds of different ways per EMR. The key is just to capture that information and then it doesn't do anybody good if you don't use it tomorrow. <laughs> performing a robust confirmation call is not the same as a confirmation call. So how can automated systems complement robust phone calls? So everybody, everybody I talk with feels like it's got to be one or the other. And I don't think you have to throw like the baby out with the bathwater, so okay. to speak. I yeah. mean, there's no reason why at first, if you have a, you know, if you have a high no-show rate at first, you're going to have to call everybody personally because mm-hmm. you have to repair whatever damage that's been done that causes people to not even bother to tell you they're not coming in. Okay. So suck it up. This is the you know, you have to lay in the bed that you made. So you got to work on that and get that corrected. But once you get a system down, then there's a lot of people that will be reliable and then will know to come in and will want that information or will answer your phone calls in the future when you call. And so that's the point where I would look through and I would start getting really judicious with things. We don't tell people that right off the bat because we don't Mm -hmm. want people to start using their judgment with disrepaired relationships. Okay. But once they repair relationships, then you can go into the next step. So you get to that nuanced part of saying, I'm not going to call this lady because she never has no showed. Mm. And she's 68 and she seems to have lived in the same house ever since she's been a patient here. Okay. Yeah. 
So, so, you know, you use your judgment, especially if you're low on time, which I mean, who isn't in a health center? Yeah. Do you think it could work to complement uh, robust phone calls? So maybe having an automated text or an automated system go out a week before or a couple of days before and then followed up with a robust phone call? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a whole bunch of patients that want a text reminder or something else. And I think that's fantastic. Okay. And why not do it? That way you don't have to spend manpower, people power on making the calls. So they're really not apples and apples. We're talking about two different two different systems or two different opportunities to, to improve. Yes. I mean, like, for example, I think you'd be silly not to do a robust confirmation call for the first patient of the day. Okay. Because like, you got to get a quick start on the day. You got to get the provider in the exam room with the patient immediately. So you can't really handle any surprises as easily at 8.15. You just want to get the provider going or whatever time you start, just get the provider in the room, get them going. That's not the time you want to hear the patients coming in for six other things. How is a robust confirmation call innovative? I mean, this is the innovative podcast. How is this innovative? Yeah, I guess, I guess the thing with the innovation really is that something doesn't have to be shiny and new completely. Sometimes it can be something that had an old purpose that gets repurposed that's innovative. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) it's actually the beauty of it is it's very subtle, Mm -hmm. but in, in the world of making confirmation calls, it becomes a task. It becomes a rote task that's given to somebody that's disconnected to go through and call everybody and tell them about their appointment. And then somebody in healthcare management decides that that's a waste of people. So then we automate the system, but maybe you don't reach people or maybe you don't get their information or maybe whatever the case is. But the the bigger innovation comes from what you ask the people and how you engage them. I mean, the no-shows are, we have a broken relationship. Okay. Somebody, somebody made an appointment to come into us. They don't even give a rip to tell us if they're coming in. They don't yeah. give a rip or they tried and they couldn't get through whatever the case may be. So repair the relationship. Why do they think so little of us? Why do they think so little of our time? Yeah. Or it could be a new relationship, right? Like recognizing new patients don't know, or it's just a new culture totally. or a new relationship. Totally. I mean, it's just like, it's like any new thing. When you teach somebody a new part of the culture, you have to kind of weave it in and say, well, this is how we do it here. We call you the day before we get your information. Other thing I would say about this is I get so many calls. I mean, I just, I just had a call from a health center last week and it was a new CEO. And she says to me, I'm at this health center and everybody's doing live confirmation calls. I can't believe it. How outdated is it? And part of me thinks it could be totally outdated or it could be totally innovative. Hmm. It depends on what they're talking about and how they're talking about it and how they're engaging the patient. I wouldn't just say live confirmation calls, just like I wouldn't say automated confirmation calls. You can't just, I mean, you can't just cross it off just because it doesn't fit into a little box. You have to, what do our people respond to? And maybe that's even different for a different panel of patients or a different Mm, demographic. And then you have to, that's when you start getting, that's when you start using your judgment and get really smart about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think about younger generations, traditionally texting is more effective. Um, I think of older generations, the phone call is most certainly, and not to like get into ageism, but just recognizing that there are generational differences and preferences. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing doesn't work for another. And that's why it's often great to ask. 
to just a recap kind of the difference between what a confirmation call and a robust confirmation call is. So first asking if the patient has time and second asking if they're coming in. And then that's where you then have the opportunity to internally decide, are we going to review the chief complaint? Are we going to review or ask them to bring in medications? What preventative or quality measure can we maybe focus in to improve engagement? Exactly. Exactly. The key difference to me between a confirmation call and a robust confirmation call is one is telling and the other is asking. Just a confirmation call is telling somebody. And like we've all learned years ago, just telling somebody something doesn't mean Jack. <laughs> so asking them and engaging them, that's where it happens. Now that we know what a robust confirmation call is, let's hear from Amanda, who describes what to do if you're stuck and your no-show rate isn't budging, even after the patient care team has made that robust confirmation call. What is your favorite no-show play? My favorite no-show play is the be nice play. Okay. Why is it? I like the be nice play because it takes, it like looks at who, it it looks at your staff and says, who is good at doing something? And it puts the person who's good at it in that seat to make the calls. Um, How do, what does this look like operationally? So I understand what you're saying, but what does it really look like? So it looks like, uh, looking at the script you're using and making sure it's friendly. Um, so maybe you need to listen to it and see if it's, you know, inviting people in to come see you. Um, I think it's looking at the language that the person making the call speaks and make sure that, yeah, you're reaching out to your patients in the language they speak so that they feel like, Oh, you'll speak that language. When I come in, you can talk to me. Like we can have a conversation that is important for my healthcare. Is the be nice play a way to make good confirmation calls? Yes, it absolutely is. Okay. And and to just summarize what you're saying, what is the be nice play? The be nice play says, let's look at your script that you're using. Let's see if essentially what it is, is to test whether or not someone doing the calls who's particularly good at making those calls over the phone, if they make them, does the no-show rate go down as compared to someone else who made them that it maybe wasn't their thing? Okay. So can you give me an example of the be nice play and someone who's ran it really well? Yes. So I'm thinking of a place, uh, a clinic that's part of a hospital system in San Francisco. The good old Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were making confirmation calls. They were trying to reduce their no-show rate. And they were doing pretty well. They were making confirmation calls. And this person who was making them was Lisa. Lisa, Lisa was great over the phone. Like she was a perfect example of someone who, you know, liked doing it and came across well on the phone. But what was so interesting is they kind of stumbled upon this where, Mm. uh, she was out sick one day. And so they asked, um, a gentleman on the other floor of this hospital who happened to speak Spanish to make the confirmation calls. Yeah. And when he made them to the patients who spoke Spanish and when he spoke Spanish, the no-show rate for those days he made the calls was the lowest they had ever seen. Did Lisa speak Spanish? She didn't. She spoke very little and okay. she, she would try, but she wasn't a native Spanish speaker and didn't, and didn't speak fluently. I've always wanted to try skydiving at some point in time in my life, maybe just a bucket list item that many of us put on our bucket list. 
But let's say you go through with it. You show up and they offer to let you pack your own parachute before going. Would you be willing to pack your own parachute? Why not? If you were to pack your own parachute, what would you need or want? How could this lead to innovation? Get ready as we explore Pack the Parachute Play with Adrian. Um, of all the other no-shows in the no-show playbook, um, do you? what would you say is your second favorite no-show play? I think my, my second favorite would have to be the Pack Your Parachute play. Okay. So for... For instance, if you're if you're making calls for the patient care team on the floor, but you're not very connected to them, like sometimes clinics will try having somebody from the call center make confirmation calls or some somebody from outreach, for instance, make those confirmation right. calls because sometimes it can be easier to do that from a scheduling perspective because right. they have a little bit more flexibility. Yep. But oftentimes those calls aren't as effective because you don't have that personal agreeing that you're coming to the appointment with the patient. So what you can do is try moving where those happen to somebody who is what we call packing their own parachute. So they, they, they have a vested interest in whether if those patients show up or not. Okay. So they, they have better luck with the calls. I think for a couple of reasons. One is they probably do a little bit better job. I know the whole pack your parachute thing. Melissa tells the story about her uncle who was in the Air Force. And what they would do is they would get everybody in this big warehouse. And they'd all get this huge stack of parachutes that they had to roll. And they would they'd do this for like eight hours, a full day. And it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out that there's like a specific way that you want to roll it so that it unrolls really easily. And, you know, that's important because if you're going to jump out of an airplane, you want it you to want unroll it to pretty simply. Yeah, yeah. Like it's very important. And so what they would do is they'd have them roll parachutes for eight hours or whatever. And then the supervisor would come over and pick out of their pile, pick two or three and say, okay, go jump out of the airplane. And then they go to the next person and say, these are the ones you rolled. Okay. So take two or three and go jump out of the airplane. And they'd go down the line, which is frankly the best quality improvement program that you could possibly have, because it turns <laughs> out that if you have to go use your parachute, you're going to roll them really well. You're not going to get, you're not going to get sleepy and like not really pay attention or get the strings tangled. So the whole idea is that if you, if you're packing your own parachute, you're going to do a better job, which is why the person who's most affected by the no shows is going to be the person who does the best job on the confirmation calls. So in theory, if you want your confirmation calls to work really well, finding an employee that's vested in that, that patient is is probably the best person to be making those phone calls. Absolutely. And that it might vary based off team, based off organization, based off patient. I, I know there are a few patients who I would have my provider call because they had a really good relationship with the provider. And if I called them, they weren't going to show up. But if they had a relationship with that provider, then they were going to show up. And if the provider said, you know, I'm, I really want to talk about your lab results. I'm concerned about you. Can you please come in? Or if not, can we reschedule for a time that works for you? That yeah. has a very high success rate. How does somebody determine who's the best to make those calls? So generally for expediency, you choose someone who is in the patient care team, usually either an MA or a front desk staff member to make the calls in that they're the primary person. Okay. I'd say in the huddle or 
or whenever you're scheduling the appointment or whenever you're doing the pre-visit planning, you can decide that, hey, you know what, I actually am probably not the best person to make this call. Or or you look at your data and you say, you know, this person has a high rate of no-shows. Let's troubleshoot as a team and decide who would be the best person to make that call. Okay. And it, it might be the nurse, it might be the provider, it might be the outreach worker who has gone to their home, uh, you can be creative as a team. If you, if you identify a patient who needs a little bit of special attention. Yeah. So you talked about a provider. I mean, is that, is that a true story? Did a provider actually make a confirmation call outside of, you know, some kind of assignment? Oh yeah, absolutely. Is uh, what it, it turns out that most providers, especially providers in community health get into it because they, they want to, they want to make an impact on their patients and providers generally aren't going to make the calls all the time. But if it's a patient who really is going to respond to the provider making that call, it is just going to save the provider time down the road versus waiting until that patient goes to the emergency department. And then we have to reconcile all their meds whenever they come in for their emergency department follow-up visit. How, um, what are some pitfalls of the the parachute? So what would make this thing not work or or kind of be kind of a dud? Sure. If you if you give the calls to somebody who should have a vested interest but doesn't. For instance, I, I see this happen most consistently if you don't have a good process in the back. So for instance, if you're not sticking to your team dance elements, if you're if you're having trouble getting out on time and all of those pieces then the staff members in the back tend to be a little bit more like, phew, we had a no-show versus really wanting to see those patients. Not right. not, not, not because they mean any malice by it, just because they want to go home and remember what their families look like. Right. So you really, if you have to make sure that you give it to somebody who does want to decrease the no-show rate and that you give staff members the tools so that they can decrease the no-show rate and remember what their families look like. So if I was looking to implement this play, what would make this a good play for me? What should my situation look like? So I would have already made my confirmation call script. I would make sure that confirmation calls are happening one to two days before the appointment. I would make sure that those confirmation calls are robust in number and robust in what that script is about. So what I mean by that is if I call and I don't get an answer, I call again. And if I still don't get an answer, I call again. And basically I call until I get that person on the phone. That to me is a true robust confirmation call. Then I would think about who is making those confirmation calls. If they had a different relationship with the patient, would it be better? And then I would test it. Gotcha. Okay. Have you ever seen the the parachute play uh, applied in a health center and it just go awry and cause more problems? It, in any case, if you have somebody do confirmation calls and you don't prepare them, like giving them the script, making sure that they have a phone in front of them. Actually, I did work with a health center out in Syracuse or near Syracuse that they asked their medical assistants to do the confirmation calls, but they had one phone for eight medical assistants and it turned out that didn't work very well. So you, you do have to make sure that you set people up for success, but generally it works. <laughs> it's one of those silly management mistakes that I don't know if you've ever read um, Monday Morning Leadership, but they talk about getting out of management land. And it, it's definitely one of those like face palm management moments like, crap, of course that didn't work. We hope this podcast was helpful as you try to address no-shows in your clinic. 
We learned a little bit more about robust confirmation calls, be nice play, and pack your parachute play. Don't be afraid to be innovative. Don't be afraid to push the lines. Try not to be a rule maker, but maybe a rule breaker. And that concludes this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. I'd like to make a shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for all of his assistance in making this podcast happen. Thank you, Amanda, Mel, and Adrian for spending time with us and sharing with us. Thank you for recording and re-recording and re-recording our sessions sometimes. As a reminder, the no-show playbook is available online at colemanassociates.com under the tool section. Are you frustrated with no-shows and the impact it has on healthcare? Start running a few plays today or reach out to us. Don't forget to subscribe or share with your friends. If there's anything you're interested in and would love to learn more, reach out to us on Twitter and let us know.